Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. I've got a lot of things, and some of this stuff will be reviewed. We've talked about some of these things, but ask Bob if we could talk about the founding fathers of this nation. And with You mean those white slave-holding males that were all purely evil, who we should never celebrate, whose statues should all be torn down? Are those people you're talking about, Jim? Yeah, those guys. And they're going to have a hard time tearing down Mount Rushmore. But there are people actually saying that. Mount <laughs> well, Rushmore. General Zod did that in Superman, too. He tore it down quite easily. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, that first, the first two films, I love those. But, but yeah, it, you know, there are people, they really have, they're rewriting history, they're tearing down statues, and they're calling all these guys white supremacists and slave owners and blah, blah, blah. And how many times have you heard someone say, well, America's founding fathers, they weren't Christians. There, there was nothing Christian about the establishment of this nation. I hear that all the time from people who, one, don't know what a Christian is, and two, haven't read their history books. Exactly. Uh, they don't really know anything about either subject. Yeah. So, and David Barton has helped me a lot, opened up an awful lot of stuff. I've got a lot of information that I've gained from him, but let's just talk about, oh, I'll throw this one even in my notes here, but I did a tour there. He hosted a tour for pastors some years ago, and I went there to Wall Builders. You've probably heard of them. Part of the tour, they went in the rotunda, the Capitol building, and there are eight huge paintings that circle around the walls of that rotunda. And I think all but one of them are religious in tone. There are paintings of baptisms, paintings of preachers, paintings of people being ordained. The whole thing was founded by believers. You know, they used to hold prayer meetings in there, in the Capitol. (laughs) Can you imagine if they tried to do that now? If some congressman said, we want to hold a Christian prayer meeting in the rotunda. You know, there would be such an uproar. It'd be ridiculous. But if they want drag queen reading Tuesday, that'll be accepted in a heartbeat. Well, yeah, it would, because the tail is wagging the dog. So did you know that over half of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were educated in seminaries or Bible schools? Yes, quite a few of them. And there were a lot of our forefathers that did not own slaves, by the way, and spoke out against slavery. That's another little known fact these days. Yeah. The the point of this is, is those guys, the guys that wrote the Declaration, the guys that were there at the start, they were all people whose lives were founded on principles of faith. And now, what do you always hear? The two guys, they always say, well, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson weren't Christians. I hear that all the time. And I think, you know where they get that? They heard some professor say that who also hasn't read his history book. They'll say, well, they weren't Christians. They were deists. Yeah, they probably wouldn't pass an evangelical litmus test, but they did have a high respect for Jesus. And a deist in those days was different. Well, they were probably two of the least religious in the big picture, as you said, they might not have been, by today's standards, evangelicals or whatever. But I just want to tell you a few things about these guys. Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin drafted a statewide prayer proclamation in Pennsylvania, his home state. And he recommended Christianity in the state's public schools. Ben Franklin called for the establishment of chaplains and daily prayer at the Constitutional Convention. Now, doesn't that sound like a non-religious person? Doesn't that sound like a secular guy who didn't care for 
Christianity or was not a man of faith. Sounds to me like he had some deep, deep convictions. And well, when people want to use them to their advantage and claim they aren't Christians, then Ben Franklin's a great man. But then with the other side of their mouth, they'll try to just denounce our entire history and all of the forefathers. So there's no consistency whatsoever. No, there's not. And they certainly would not take into consideration the things that I just said, the things that he actively did that promoted faith and religion, Christianity, in fact, in his own statement under his own government. Thomas Jefferson recommended that the national motto include the word God, so in God we trust. That was Jefferson, the non-religious guy. And while he served as president, he closed all of his documents with the year of our Lord Christ. In the year of our Lord Christ, that's how Jefferson closed his official documents which, by the way, he had boxes full of them in his garage. Um, <laughs> oh, did he also have them in his car? Yeah, sorry, I, that, was, that was uncalled for. I've been to Washington, D.C. many times, and I, I love going there. Even I, I've been in the past year, and, you know, you have to be a little more careful where you go and stuff, but there's so many great things about our history there. And then I love the Smithsonian, the museums, the National Art Gallery and those things. It's a wonderful, wonderful place to visit. I've been to the Jefferson Memorial several times and all inside there. It's one of the most beautiful monuments in the mall area there. And inside there are plaques with quotes of his. And I'm going to read a few quotes from this godless Thomas Jefferson guy. He says, Almighty God hath created the mind free. All attempts to influence it by temporal punishments or burdens are a departure from the plan of the holy author of our religion. Did you get that? He clicked our religion. And he's talking about the God of the Bible. And he's talking about free will. That's an incredible thing. Yeah, so he certainly considered himself to be a man of faith, whatever other people might think of his beliefs. He was like friends that I have today. He didn't align himself with the organized religion and denominationalism and those things. And some of that is because they came out of a country that the people who left Great Britain primarily to come to this country were tired of a religion that was forced on them and that the state determined what church was the right church. And it depended on what country you're from as to, to which church they said was correct, but they didn't want that forced on them. And we're going to get to the First Amendment in a little bit. So he says, the holy author of our religion, almighty God, the holy author of our religion. That's powerful stuff there. It'd be hard to find any politicians today that would talk like that. I know there are some believers, and I know some personally that are in the government, and they are people of faith. So I, I have hope and confidence that there are voices within the system in our government that are still standing for godliness. But Jefferson, man, that's that powerful stuff. Here's another quote. God gave us life, gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? They need to bring him back and he needs to talk to him today. Someone needs to get up and just read quotes. So much for their views of separation between church and state. Yeah. You know, that phrase doesn't appear anywhere in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, or the Declaration of Independence. 
That's a phrase that was taken out of a letter that somebody wrote. That is not a federal document. That is not. And even the letter where Thomas Jefferson used it, he was assuring the church that the state would not take their rights away from them. So, But what does uh, occur is the First Amendment. The First Amendment, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So all of these people, and I had it out one time with a very close friend, you know, threw this term out. I'm, well, I believe in separation of church and state. I said, do you even know what that is? Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And they've completely ignored that part. They've absolutely tried to prohibit the free exercise of religion. And, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse in the last decade. Yeah, they'll so. challenge you if you say God bless you because somebody sneezed. That's not what those things yeah. are trying to say. And, and it gets crazy. You know, for 20 years, I ran a soup kitchen downtown in San Antonio. We used to get donations and food from various sources. And, and for a while, we were going and, and getting food from the local food bank, which actually wasn't free. We had to pay us pennies on the dollar, but we would buy you know, they had dented cans or food that dated expired or whatever. And we would buy this food to use it for our soup kitchen. And every year they had a, an annual meeting and all the people who represented organizations, which almost all of them were churches or synagogues. And we're in this meeting. They're briefing us about the rules. And the woman says, now, if you use food from this food bank, you are not allowed to have any religious service connected with the serving of this food or handing it out. And everyone was kind of quiet, and I raised my hand because I'm just I'm, I'm a troublemaker. And I said, I, I need to clarify. I said, if I'm serving a dinner and I'm using food from your food bank, am I allowed to pray and say grace over the meal? And she said, absolutely not. I said, why? She said, that's religious service. Now, keep in mind, this is not a federal institution. This is a local food bank. And I said, I'd like to speak to your supervisor about this. And they stopped the whole meeting. And everybody's looking at me like that, you know, just shut up, guys. Sit down. And the supervisor comes in. I said, I want to clarify. I was just told that I cannot say grace over a meal that includes food from this food bank. And she said, absolutely not. So I left that meeting. I went back and talked to the elders of the church and told them. And they said, we don't need their food. And we quit getting food from the food bank because they felt that it was their responsibility <laughs> to keep me from praying over a meal in front of people. And I said, and what's sad is they probably felt that way very sincerely and sanctimoniously, because that's what they've been taught. Yeah. yeah, but the point is, it wasn't even a federal institution. This was a local food bank. It wasn't even a state-run thing. But that's how far gone our society has gone. So Congress shall not establish or prohibit the exercise of religion. And then it goes on to say, or abridge the freedom of speech or the press or the right of people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Wow, is that current or what? Yeah, like they did on January 6th. And, and I've said this before, I have concerns that there are people in power and influence that would really like to stop shows like yours and the whole, you know, the Salem Broadcasting Network and people that are bringing a, a more conservative view. And we watched this whole thing with Fox and Tucker and there are people that really want to silence conservative voices, and that's just conservative. They really don't want people talking about Jesus and the Bible and the need for faith and religion in our culture. And I think we're still 
we're vulnerable. I won't be surprised at all if the time comes when someone tries to, whether they do it through legislation or just martial law, like the governor that you never can Newsom that you've got out there just making laws up, or, or whether they do it through pressure with taxes. There are all kinds of things they might try to do. I shouldn't give them any ideas here. But I'm concerned for the freedom that we still have to have a radio show like this where we can express our views, uh, even though they don't agree with the ultra-liberal wing. So be prepared for that. Be concerned about that. And the censorship Uh, always comes in the name of tolerance and inclusion. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's just funny. It's like, you know, I've talked about animal farming time. You know, they rewrite the words and they change things around to make it sound like what it isn't. And we've seen this for years. When you go vote and you look at some of the propositions on the ballot, it's almost the opposite of what you think you're voting for. Yeah, that's how San Diego ended up passing its gas tax, because people that thought they were voting against it were voting for it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's an old, old tactic. But we just need to be on our guard. Now, Ezekiel, the prophet, we're going to switch gears. We're going to get religious, folks. Ezekiel, the prophet, in the book of Ezekiel, God laments over Israel. And he says, I searched for a man among them who would build up a wall. His name was Donald Trump. I searched for a man among them who would build up a wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it. But I found no one. That's a heartbreaking passage of scripture. He was looking for intercessors, people who would stand in the gap, people who would pray and intercede and speak and be a voice. But they were arrested by the Justice Department, and then that was that. Yeah. That's kind of how, and it was the same old thing. You know, some of that stuff hasn't changed in thousands of years. You know, I think of all of the things that people are addicted to, power is the most addictive thing. People get a little bit of power, and we see it. We see people that we voted for or that we supported, and they get in power, and boy, they don't want to lose that power, so they start towing the line, and they start backpedaling on things because they want that job security. They want to stay in power. Well, that's nothing new. That's an old, old song. But Ezekiel reports God, God's heart being broken because there was no one who would stand in the gap. And it's my opinion that God is searching for people to stand in the gap and intercede for America. And shows like this, we do that, we make appeals. And there are people I know that know how to pray. And, uh, you know, we had Alveda King on your show, wonderful, wonderful woman. And she's doing an awful lot of good things in in our country. She's the niece of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And she uh, has daily posts and stuff. A lot of her emphasis is on prayer, praying for America and praying for the right things to take place. And I think we're in great need of that in our country. And I know people who do that. I, I told you a few months ago about a friend of mine who ran for office and he got elected to the Texas state legislature. He calls me routinely. And says, Jim, we have this bill coming up, or I'm submitting this, and I want you to pray. And I love that, that this guy, he re- and I'm not even in his district, <laughs> but he calls and asks for prayer. And so I'm telling you, there are those out there. But he knows that we can legislate, we can do all this stuff, but there has to be prayer backing up all of the good things he's trying to do. And I, I love that about Mark Orazio. So God is looking for that. Isaiah, this is chapter 62 of Isaiah, says, On your walls, Jerusalem... I have appointed watchmen all day and all night. They will never keep silent. You who profess the Lord, take no rest for yourselves. 
Sometimes there's a call for a 24-hour prayer meeting. You might have read about Count Zinzendorf and the 100-year prayer meeting. <laughs> they started a prayer meeting and it lasted 100 years, and they sent out missionaries, and some point to them being the, the start of foreign missions, the Moravians. You've heard of the Moravians, and they went out to go out and be missionaries to people in, in foreign lands. In fact, the Moravians were so crazy, they would sell themselves into slavery so that they could go and witness to the slaves on the slave ships. Now, you that know, one is interesting. That one I had not heard. That's fascinating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we think we make sacrifices. These guys would sell themselves as slaves so that they could go and minister to the slaves on the slave ship. That's just crazy faith. But those kind of people have existed in our history. And Isaiah says there are a watchman. And, and Bob, you and I are watchmen, I believe. We're to stand guard and warn people. When we see danger approaching, warn people. Wesley, one of the great preachers uh, in the history of the church, I have on my shelf the Journal of John Wesley, and I've read a lot of stuff about these guys. Wesley was on a ship where some of these crazy Moravians were, and it was the turning point in his life. He saw these Moravians, and he cried out to God, and he said, I question my own experience as a believer. He doubted that he was actually saved when he saw how devout the Moravians were, and it, it changed his life. And, of course, he had a, a huge impact and, and it changed an awful lot about the Western church and how we think. And I, I don't know that I agree with every single doctrine and thing that he taught. I don't know that there's anybody I do agree with 100 percent, unless it's Bob Siegel. Well, that just went without saying, Jim. <laughs> Actually, part of the fun of the show is sometimes you and I have different opinions about things. Can you imagine that? And, and like, uh, I always cut you a lot of slack because I think you have a right to be wrong once in a while. <laughs> My wife had a conversation with somebody she was very close to, and they were disagreeing on a particular point. And Leslie's pretty sharp. So they were going around and around, and she said, look, we're not going to come to a point of agreement about this. And you're not going to change my mind that I'm not going to change your mind. And the person turned around and walked away and said, well, I'm glad you agree with me. <laughs> yeah, At least we can agree on that. Yeah. Now we're talking about Ezekiel and Isaiah and the prophets and the voices to Israel in those days, but there are parallels in the church and there are voices. There are people that are called to speak out and people that are called to stand watch and people that are called to intercede for the church and for the nation. And we're very, very clear here. Uh, we've talked about this. I do not believe in replacement theology. I don't think the church replaces Israel. And I certainly don't think that America is God's chosen people. Just make sure that we're clear on that. But we certainly have had God's blessing over the years. And the principles, Paul tells us that the things that were taking place in the Old Covenant were examples to us. And so many of the things, the principles are the same. So I think there is still a need for the watchman on the wall. I think there is still the need for the man to stand in the gap, a man, woman, or anyone who will intercede for God's people and for their own home nation. There are intercessors in every nation. Goodness, you know, there are some real prayer warriors in China, they have to pray to survive. We need a, a desperation in this country of people who will pray and seek God and intercede. I want to encourage you, folks, as a Christian, if you're a believer, if you're a person of faith, I encourage you to take action on many, many levels. Let your voice be heard. You don't have to have your own radio show to have a platform, to be a voice. You can talk to people you know 
and share with them what you believe. Ask them questions. Why did you vote for this guy? <laughs> you know, or why do you believe what you believe? And let your voice be heard and, and then and share with people what you believe and why you believe it and how you feel about these issues. Write to your local representatives. I've kind of got a lucky thing. I've got a guy that calls me and he's a, he's a solid, solid Christian and a solid, solid patriot. But write to your representatives. It does matter. And I'm told that for one letter that a person will write sincerely, that it represents another 20 people who won't take up the pen and write. So write to your representatives and tell them if there's a bill that they're getting ready to pass that they're going to vote on or any legislation, write to them and tell them why you for or against it. There are some that even after they're elected are still concerned about the people they're supposed to be representing. Let them know. And oh boy, if you must participate in a peaceful demonstration, you know, there have been some great things done with marches. We've had Christian marches in the Capitol. They do get people's attention. I told you about before the Roe v. Wade thing was overturned, and uh, the Justice Foundation, who I know fairly well here in town, and Alan Parker Jr., they, they had a scroll with over a million signatures of women who had had abortions that were asking the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade because of how negatively that abortion had affected them and their family. And they rolled off this scroll down the steps of the Supreme Court. It's, it's really powerful. And it got some attention. And there are people that went, they paid their own way and went out and stood their ground. And they were a voice. And you can do that. And you might not do something that quite dramatic, but you can be a voice somewhere. So let your voice be heard. And now we've talked about this. I believe you should vote, but I think you need to be informed. You need to know where the candidates stand on the issues, and you need to know what that proposition really means before you vote yes or no. And get someone that can help you, because it is hard to discern some of that stuff. But we need to vote, and we need to vote informed and educated, and vote your conscience. Don't vote on how you're going to be blessed financially. I remember, boy, back when Bill Clinton was president and or maybe he was still running, but they're all the scandals that my goodness, that guy had more scandals with women than anybody I could think of that held office in the White House. And Dennis Miller, one of my favorites, he said, the American people don't care what Bill Clinton does in bed as long as he leaves 20 bucks on your dresser in the morning. Oh, boy. And the point of that was, what, it, what was Clinton's thing? It's the economy, stupid. And Americans, they didn't care what a scoundrel he was. They didn't care what a womanizer he was. They didn't care how abusive he was, as long as their pocketbook was fat. And that's a shame. We can't let the almighty dollar be the bottom line for how we vote. We might have to tighten things up. It's going to take an enormous effort to turn this economy around now. There's so much damage been done, and we're so far in debt. It isn't just about how much money you get. Don't fall for those promises and the handouts. You always have to pay the piper in the end. So vote informed, vote your conscience, and then this, and I hope we have enough time I could pray. Pray like you've never prayed. We must take no rest for ourselves. That's what that scripture says. They took no rest for themselves. Pray and faint not, Jesus said. Pray without ceasing. Fast and pray. If you've never done that, Talk to your doctor if you have any kind of issues health-wise or, or with your diet. But, but fasting and praying is a powerful thing. Sometimes that nothing can substitute for fasting and praying. Pray like your lives depend on it, because it just might. Pray like your children's future depends on it, because it does. 
pray like our nation's future depends on it, because it does. So that's my appeal, and I, I know I'm a, sometimes like a broken record, but uh, you give me the opportunity to come on this show and to express my feelings and beliefs and share my convictions, and I think we need intercessors. We need people who will be proactive, people who are called to it to go out and be political and take a stand, march if you must, vote if you must, run for office. That's what my friend Mark did. But even if you can't do those things, you can pray. Every Christian can pray. The Bob Siegel Show podcast is a production of Bob Siegel and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash bob.